Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 15, Jesus declared that he expects us all to be increasingly fruitful disciples. Do you have an active lifestyle of remaining in Jesus? Do you spend time with Jesus every day, reading and studying your Bible, praying, thanking Him, worshiping Him, and obeying Him in every aspect of your life? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 15 and look at this incredible privilege we have as disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a it's what is it's a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas, and uh, hopefully I'll just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. I'm in the, the studio. My big sister Susie D cleaned it up again, and uh, thank you, lady. And so, man, it's just nice being in a nice, clean, just kind of a, a joyful, happy place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, today uh, we're going to start John 15. I don't know how far we'll get, um, maybe through 10, maybe through 11. Um, we'll see how far we get. But, uh, I mean, it's it's good stuff. I mean, I've, I've been studying for this now for a while, and, uh, man, it's just, I mean, this, the, the um, literally the entire chapter are only Jesus' words, okay? Um Every word in John 15 is in red. So it's only the words of Christ. These words are being stated as, as they're getting up to leave or as they're, you know, they're leaving the Last Supper. They're leaving the upper room. Maybe they're within, um, you know, they could be within three or four hours of his arrest here. And um, they very well could be within 12, 14, 15 hours of his crucifixion. So we're right at the doorstep. Um, and he's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so incredible, May, because Jesus is, is, is like I just said, maybe 12, 14 hours from his crucifixion. And yet he's so clear minded that he still gives his disciples and by extension, all of us, the world, this incredible truth, these incredible truths are given where really any other person in the history of the world wouldn't want to be talking right now, right? You know you're about to be tortured to within an inch of your life. You know, you know you're about to be crucified. You know you're about to become sin. You're going to have spikes driven through your hands and feet. You're going to have a crown of thorns thrust down into your skull. Um, I mean, you're going you're gonna to take on the sin of the world. There's going to be a uh, he's going to experience, um, you know, a fracturing of the relationship with the heavenly father, right? You remember, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, forsaken me? And, and he always refers to God as my father when he's speaking to him. But, you know, he's, he's experiencing some sort of fracture when he's on the cross and becoming the sin, taking away the sin of the world and becoming sin. So, I mean, it's, uh, and yet, He's on the doorstep of that, and yet we still have this, you know, these incredible chapters that he gives us just in the last hours of his life. And so we just, 
worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying just a a torturous death for us. And we worship you today, Lord. We believe you are alive and risen today, and we worship you, our risen Savior. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We just, we thank you for your love, Father. And as always, we thank you most of all for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word and give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love love each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, just, I mean, wow, just heavy stuff. Um, I mean, it's there's a, a, a meaningful, a substantial emphasis on bearing fruit, right? You saw that we read there in uh, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So the reason that we're saved, right? Uh, Ephesians 2.8 says that it's for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Verse um, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, right? But verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, and oftentimes, you know, we as Christians, you know, we, we know that we're saved from our sin. We know that, that we go to heaven. We know that we come into relationship with, with our heavenly father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's how we're saved from our sin. That's how we're saved from spending eternity in hell suffering um, by, by God's grace alone, by his unmerited favor toward us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We deserved eternal separation from the triune God in hell. But in his mercy and by his grace, he sent Jesus. Jesus, by his grace, right, willingly, right, we didn't deserve it but willingly became a human man, lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, and is alive and risen today. And by trusting in Jesus, by relying on Jesus, by putting your full faith and confidence in Jesus, knowing your need of him, knowing that you're hopeless and desperate without him, knowing there's nothing you can do to take away your sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's standard. Um, that's hard for some people to accept that everyone has done wrong. Every, every rational person knows that everyone has done wrong. But it's hard for some people to, ex to accept that because of our wrongdoing, we are separated from God. Isaiah 59, right? We're separated from God because of our sin. We have... God is holy and he cannot be in the presence of sin. That's why Jesus came into the world, lived a perfect life, died the most horrible, torturous death imaginable. He did that so we would be reconciled to him and to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. If, if sin wasn't that bad, Jesus would not have become a human man. And, and again, you know, this is what the Bible teaches very clearly. And so it's something we, we accept because it teaches it in the word of God. Now, again, every human being intrinsically, intuitively, however you want to say it, knows that, that they're, they've done wrong, right? All of us know that we violated our conscience. All of us know that we have been selfish and often still are selfish. We like our own way. Um, you know, we, we lean entirely toward our own perspective, right, Matthew? And, um, you know, we... It's, it's all about us, right? Um, we have wrong thoughts. We certainly speak wrong words and we do wrong things. And again, the Bible calls these things sin. And because of that, we need a savior. We need to be saved from our sin. And again, that's why Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins, right? Uh, Matthew 1, you know, she'll give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, right? Matthew chapter one, uh, the angel speaking to Joseph. Um, so in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, P-R-U-N-E-S, he 
prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, okay? We're connected to Jesus spiritually. When you become a Christian, when you put your, your, your faith in Jesus Christ, your full confidence in Jesus Christ alone, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You become one with Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, joins himself with you spiritually. He becomes one with your spirit. And you are one now with Jesus. You're married to Jesus. We're called the bride of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. And so spiritually, you know, Jesus is the, is the big vine, right? And all of us are as disciples are branches that get our nourishment from that vine. And Jesus said that, that God the Father is the gardener. So God the Father is the one that's, that's, that's tending the vine, so to speak, right? Actually, he says it clearly. He says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, this is a sobering statement, okay? Because as Christians, we are called to be fruitful. Um, it, you, you'd even say we're required to be fruitful, right? Now, as far as the amount of fruit, right? Um, we certainly cannot tell that. We cannot judge that. The goal of the Christian life should be that, that anyone that knows you knows that you are a fruit-bearing disciple of Jesus Christ. That should certainly be the goal of the Christian life. But oftentimes, you know, regrettably, even most of the time in, in our church culture today, um, for many Christians, they, they, you know, the fruits is sparse. And that is a problem. It's wrong because they were appointed to bear fruit, right? If you're a Christian today, then you're then, then the call of God on your life is to bear fruit for his kingdom, right? The call of God on your life is the advancement of the gospel of God, the word of God, and the son of God in everything. And we're to give our lives to that. And, and oftentimes, you know, um, we're not able to tell, right, Tommy, in our, in our, um, you know, in ourselves and in our own human thinking, oftentimes we can't discern fruit in other believers. But every believer certainly must have some form of fruit in some way. Because verse 2 says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So again, if you're a Christian today, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus Christ today, you know, what what fruit are you bearing for the kingdom of God? What fruit are you turning over to Jesus? Jesus is hungry and he wants some fruit from us, right? He expects a return on his investment. It's important to understand none of this saves us, right? We do this because we love him. We do this because we are saved, but none of this saves us. None of this helps to save us from our sin. As I already said, we're saved from our sin by trusting in Christ alone. We're saved by the grace of God alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not based on, on anything that we've done. 
but it's important that that you be a fruit-bearing Christian. Because he says in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So you have a picture here that the Father does not want a a non-fruit-bearing branch taking nutrients from Jesus, taking nutrients from the vine. The reason that we're connected to Jesus, Esther, is that we would bear fruit for him. And again, it's something we need to take serious. When we stand before Jesus, Wendy, at the judgment seat of Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 5, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? Um, And give an account, you know, of everything we've done, good or bad. Um, Jesus is going to be looking for fruit and will be rewarded according to our fruit. Again, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, it's because you, you're you saved. The judgment will be in heaven, and it'll be a judgment based on, you know, it'll be a judgment for rewards, and it'll be based on the fruit you bore for the kingdom of God, right? And again, fruit is just how you use, how are you using your time, your gifts and talents, and your treasure, your money. How are you using, how, how do you on a moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, use your time, right? Which is the most precious resource you have, right? Let's say you, you sleep eight hours a day, so you have 16 hours a day of time. Your gifts and talents, right? The things that, that, that the Lord has gifted you with, right? Um, most people just use their gifts and talents to, you know, for themselves and their work, um, their family, their children, um, and again, there's nothing wrong with all that, but that's not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God in itself. So your gifts, your talents, how the Lord has gifted you, right? Certainly you do use your gift and talents to, to make a living, to, to earn money, to provide for your family, to be a, hopefully a good parent, right? Um, a good son or daughter. Um, but yes, how are you using your time every day? Again, most people use their time entirely for themselves, even as Christians, we use the vast majority of our time only on ourselves. And, uh, you know, that's not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. And then finally, your money, right? Um, certainly, we use our money to, to, to pay our bills and to put a roof over our head and to provide for our family and the, the fun we want and all that. But again, are you using your money for the advancement of the kingdom of God? And very few, you know, comparatively, you know, only like three or 4% of all Christians are givers. Okay. I believe the number is only like 3% of all people who claim to be Christians in the world tithe on their income, right? They, you know, the vast majority of all people use 99% of their money on themselves, their wife, their kids, their, you know, their needs, their wants, their fun, um, their savings, their retirement. It's all about them. So again, you want to you wanna examine your life for fruit. Are you using, how much of your time are you using to help people to grow to know Jesus Christ, to serve people in Jesus Christ, to serve the Son of God, the Gospel of God, and the Kingdom of God? How, many, how much of your talents, the things you're good at, right, how are you using them to influence people for the kingdom of God, right? 
Um, and again, I'm not, not, not everyone is, is called to be a preacher. And, and when you stand before Jesus, that's not going to be what the Lord has called you to unless that, that was your call. Right, Scott? So if you just, you know, I have a brother, Scott, who works in, uh, you know, financial planning, and, and he's consistently looking for ways to get the, to get these teachings out, to get the podcasts out, to get the, the videos out, and to just to get the word of God before people. Right. The Lord doesn't expect him to preach the word of God, but the Lord does expect you, Scott, to talk about Jesus, to bring up Jesus. But he's not calling everyone to be a preacher. Right. But all of us are called to use our talents, the things we're good at, to get the to get the word of God and the gospel of God and the son of God, Jesus, out into the world that we might bear fruit for Jesus. Right. And then finally, our money. Right. Again, um, you know, you've often said, you know, either either you have control of your money or your money has control of you. How much of your resources do you use in the advancement of the kingdom of God? Being a blessing in the name of Jesus, certainly giving to churches or ministries, all that's a good thing. But just being consistently generous outside of your own family, right? Um, being generous and, and looking to be a blessing um, because you know, you, you want to be pleasing to Christ. And so we're, we're all called to bear fruit. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What is pruning, right? I'm not a gardener. It says, Jesus said, our heavenly father is a gardener, but for those people who garden, I guess you go out into the garden and you're, you know, you're, you're cutting away from the plant, right? In this case, our Heavenly Father is cutting away while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So I guess it's it's cutting away that which doesn't belong. It's cutting away the weeds. It's cutting away, you know, any, any dried up dead growth, right? It's removing all the unproductive things from the plant or from the branch, right? And sometimes when we go through pruning, y'all, it's the pruning season is hard, right? This is kind of a hard verse because he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And again, as I've said, it's, it's not for us to judge when someone has no fruit. I'll say again, it should be obvious. We should, every one of us as believers should have obvious fruit in our life, but it's not for us to say so-and-so a Christian has no fruit, only only. You know, the triune God knows that. But it says if there's literally no fruit, the branch is removed. Okay. Um, it was never a healthy branch. It was never a fruitful branch. And it's it's not going to use up the soil. Okay. Um, but when you do, when you do bear fruit, it says while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So our, our Heavenly Father is never satisfied, right? If you're bearing fruit now, He's going to prune you. He's going to consistently take those things in your life that are not productive out of your life so that you will be even more fruitful. Um, verse 3, Jesus said, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He actually said this in John 13. Uh, might have been verse 30. I'm not sure. Um, um no, maybe 13. I'm not sure. You'll see it on the screen. John 13, he already told the disciples that you are already clean 
because of the word I have spoken for you. Um, actually, it's verse 10, John 13, 10, and you are clean. He says, though not every one of you, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean. Okay. Um, and so John 13, 10, you know, he, he tells them you already clean. Now he repeats it here. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We become clean. We become saved from our sin by trusting in the word of God and the gospel of God and the good news that Jesus has come, right? Um, and so we become, we, we, we don't, we become clean from our sin. There's nothing we can do to take away our sin. Jesus said, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. We're saved by receiving and trusting in the word of God. That tells us that Jesus came, became a human man, lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, and is alive and risen today, right? Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not words that save us. We don't just puppet words, but it's, it's the genuineness and sincerity of our heart humbling ourselves before Jesus and, 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 and believing and receiving him as our Lord and Savior. As I said, John 1.12, excuse me, says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So again, being cleansed from our sin happens only in receiving Jesus Christ. But now once we've been cleansed from our sin, it's our job to bear fruit in cooperating with Jesus, right? And again, this has nothing to do with our salvation, but it will have everything to do with our reward in heaven. Remember, not everyone has the same reward in heaven. No one has the same reward. You'll be rewarded according, again, to your fruitfulness, how you used your time, talents, and money and the advancement of the king of the kingdom of God, the gospel of God, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Um, you don't get to heaven by doing anything or bearing any fruit, but you'll be rewarded in heaven according to how you bore fruit. And not everyone has the same punishment in hell, right? To those who never receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, which is the only reason someone's in hell. Um, Revelation 20, you'll stand before God, books will be opened, you'll be judged according to your works, no one will make it because you, you cannot make it to heaven based on anything you do, and those people will be assigned a place in hell accordingly. So again, not everyone has the same reward in heaven, and not everyone has the same punishment in hell. But in verse 4, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So now he's, now he's stepping it up, okay? You've been saved. You've been forgiven of your sin. But now it's your responsibility to remain in Jesus, to abide in Jesus, the other version says. Um and you do that by spending time with Jesus. You do that in your devotional life with Jesus. You're doing by spending time with other believers, right? Part of that is growing a church, but you ought to be spending time with other believers seven days a week. You ought to be in fellowship. You ought to be in community. The biggest way is spending time in your Bible, 
which is what we do here, right? Doing Bible study, reading and studying and meditating on your Bible, right, Melanie? Remain in me and I will remain in you, okay? It, it takes effort to remain in Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. Stephen, to keep Jesus at the forefront consistently of your mind, right? Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's just rational, right? If a branch is disconnected from the vine, right? Or from the tree branch, right? It, it can't do anything, right? Hear the words. Remain in me. Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We say this over and over again. And, and we don't say this to be intolerant or unloving. But Jesus Christ is the only way. In the previous chapter, uh, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Look what he says here, Corinne. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay? Unless you're in Jesus and not only have received Jesus as your Savior, but are remaining in Jesus and applying yourself to Jesus, you can bear no fruit for the kingdom of God in any manner, in any way. These are his words. So if, if, you're, if you're not in Jesus Christ today, which is to say you're in any other of the religions in the world, right? If you're a, you know, whatever it is, right? If you're a Hindu, if you're a new age person, um, if you're agnostic, you're just saying, yeah, I don't know what's out there. I'm not sure. Obviously, if you're an atheist, um, you know, if you're a, a Muslim, if you're a Buddhist, um, wh whatever you are today, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you can bear no fruit for the kingdom of God. You could do nothing good for the kingdom of God. Certainly, human all human beings can do good things by what's called the common grace of God. Um, our Heavenly Father has given the world grace. It's called just common grace by which all human beings can do good things. But it's only in Jesus Christ. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You cannot be fruitful in glorifying to God unless you are in Jesus Christ. Unless you're in Jesus Christ, you have no understanding of who God is. You can't perceive him. You can't conceive him. There's nothing you can conceive of him. There's nothing you can understand of him until you come to humbly receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you do, Jesus, God the Son, God, comes to live inside you. The Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside you, gives you new life, and gives you light and illuminates your thinking, and the, and the light comes on in the room and now you can see and begin to understand and cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Again, this is just what the scriptures teach, y'all. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see how he's emphasizing this? So again, 
as we do every week, right? Or a couple times a week, actually. Um, you know, at least two times a week, actually, we do this. But do you see he's, he's making it clear? These are Jesus's words. They're unambiguous. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does he mean by that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean you can't go to the bathroom. It doesn't mean you can't take a shower. It doesn't mean you can't go buy a sandwich and give it to somebody. It doesn't mean you can't help somebody move. It doesn't mean you, you know, you can't mow the lawn. You can do nothing of value to God apart from Jesus. Okay. Again, I, I didn't write it. John 15, five, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. It's only connected to Jesus that we have spiritual life. And it's only by cultivating that life, remaining in him, right, Peyton? Growing in our relationship with him, Chloe, that, that, that we can bear fruit. He says, if, he says, if a man remains in me, and he means man or woman, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. Yeah, I mean, it's, I understand the words are difficult. If anyone, these are his words. Who talks like this, okay? Jesus is not like anybody else. He's not like, you know, um, Noah or... Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Joseph. You know, he's not like Moses. He's not like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Gideon, Samson. He's not like, you know, Daniel. He's not like any of the of the, of the men or women in the Old Testament. He's not like Mother Mary. He's not like, you know, Gandhi. He's not like Buddha. He's not like Muhammad. No one talks like this. No one in history ever spoke like this. We have to really get deep down into us who we're dealing with here. Verse six, if anyone does not remain in me, anyone, anyone in the world does not remain in Jesus, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Yeah, I mean, so again, Jesus is God. So that's why he speaks this way. Jesus created the universe, the world, humanity, right? Colossians 1, 15 to 17, all things were created by him and for him, Jesus, right? If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. Verse 7, again, they're not, they're not worth anything. That's what he's saying, right? Because they're not being fruitful. And again, he's not saying this to be harsh. He's saying this as a warning to us. I don't like it. I don't want anyone to be picked up and thrown away and burned. So let's give our lives to Jesus and be fruitful for Jesus, y'all. If you remain in me, look what he says here in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. So now he adds a layer to it. To remain in Jesus is to remain in his word, the Bible, that the words of Jesus, and obviously the words in red in the Gospels, but the entire 66 books of the Bible, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, Scott. Um, if anyone, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is why we do this. We do this. We do this Bible study. We do these teachings. We study the Bible so that the word of God, the word of Christ would remain in us, that we would be washed in the water of the word of God, Ephesians 5, 25, right? Washed in the water of the word of God, bathed in the scriptures, cleansed in the scriptures, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. The more time you spend in the scriptures, the more we come by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, right, to understand the will of God, the ways of God, and the love of God, right? The more we come to understand the love of our Father, the more we come to understand Jesus and his love and the, and the Holy Spirit and his leading and his mercy and his love for us, right? The Christian life is about growing in relationship and intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the more time you spend in the scriptures, reading them, studying them, and above all, obeying them, the more his word will remain in you. And the result of that is answered prayer. The result of that is you'll pray prayers that are obviously in line with the will of Jesus and the character of Jesus and the desires of Jesus. And when we pray prayers according to his will, of, of, of course, we know we have it, right? Um, I think it's First John chapter 4. I could be wrong. It says if we ask anything according to his will, could be 5, we know that we have it, right? Um, you know, so if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. The more time we remain in Jesus, we remain in Jesus again by thinking about him, by spending time with him, not as a religious exercise. Hear me. It does take discipline. Uh, I mean, we have to discipline ourselves. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined follower of Christ, right? We actually get our English word discipline from the Latin word disciple, right? Um, it just, as you spend time with Jesus in prayer, spend time in thanksgiving and praise and worship, and as I said, fellowship and community with, with other believers day in and day out, not just on Sunday morning, right? Um, all this will help you to remain in him, but also his, his word needs to remain in you, right, Kristen? The scriptures need to remain in you. You have to continually, consistently be in those scriptures, Lauren. Um, and he says, if, if, you, if you have this lifestyle, abiding in him, remaining in him, you can pray and ask whatever you wish. Now, when he says ask whatever you wish, obviously he's asking the person who's remaining in Jesus doesn't, doesn't ask for things that are obviously not the will of Jesus Christ, right? No one, they don't pray, Lord, I ask you to hurt that person, or they don't ask for ungodly things, 
right? They pray, pray, they pray prayers that are in line with the word of God. So as you remain in Jesus and you remain in the word of God and his words are continuing to remain in you and you're obeying them and walking them out, it's, a, it's the key to answered prayer. Obviously, if you don't remain in him and you know the word of God is not in you, then the expectation is that you're, you know, you, you're not going to be praying as in line with his will in the same way and your prayers won't be answered in the same way. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay? John 5, verse 8, Uncle Dennis, this is to my Father's glory. Okay? It glorifies God the Father that you bear much fruit, that I bear much fruit, that every disciple of Jesus Christ bear much fruit. This glorifies God, showing yourselves to be my disciple. The way that we show that we're disciples of Jesus is being fruitful with our time, using our time for Christ, our gifts and talents for Christ, and our money for Christ, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all 16 hours of your day, I mean, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying is that do you have a lifestyle of using your time, your talents, and your money, little by little, day by day, more and more, for Jesus and his kingdom. There's nothing wrong with watching a movie. You know, there's nothing wrong with playing a game. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But for the vast majority of Christians, you know, we may give Jesus one or two minutes a day and the other 15 hours and 58 minutes we use on ourselves. We may give Jesus, you know, uh, a few dollars here, a 20 here, 10 here. We may do this, but 99.9% .9 of our money we use for ourselves our own family and our own needs and our own wants, right? And the same with our gifts and talents. We use our gifts and talents for our work and say for our hobbies or to play sports or to play games or whatever it is that, you know, you know, that we're gifted at and good at and things we like. More and more, we want to use our gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. And it says that this is to the Father's glory and it shows that we really are disciples of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And I'm going to stop here. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow. This is quite a statement here when Jesus says in verse 9, As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Okay. He could have used a lot of examples, right? The scholars pointed out when I was studying this, he didn't say that, you know, as a, as a mother loves a son or daughter, as I have loved you. You know, you know he didn't say as a, as, as a brother loves a brother, I've loved you. They even said as a, as a, you know, as a drug addict loves their drugs, I loved you. That was a, was a little funny one they said, but the point is we, you know, you know, we, we, we do love our addictions, right? We do love our children. 
We do love our parents. We do love our brothers and sisters. But he didn't say any of that. Think of the magnitude of this statement. It's, it's kind of a heavy deal to say, as God loves me, I have loved you. So he just told the disciples, I loved you the way God loves you, right? Again, you see, we're not just dealing with a human being here. Who, who could say such a thing, right? As the Father has loved me, as God the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Hopefully you've never said such a statement, right? You might say, you know, um, you know, I've loved you as your mother's loved you, right? You might say, I've loved you as your sister's loved you. You might say, you know, I loved you like I love my beer, right? I loved you as I love my Netflix. But I don't think you've ever told anyone that you love them the way Jesus loves them, right? But that's what he said. Jesus loves you the way God the Father loves him. How much does God the Father love Jesus? A lot, <laughs> right? It's incomprehensible. It's unmeasurable. That's how much Jesus loves us. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Again, it's not a fun verse. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. So again, to remain in the love of God is to obey the word of God, right? We're going to pick up here next time. I'll probably start around 9 or 10 next time. Um, and then the incredible verse 11. And again, we'll get into this next time. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Everything Jesus just told them, he said, all of this about remaining in him, bearing fruit, being pruned, being more fruitful, right? Obeying him, right? Showing yourself by bearing much fruit to be disciples of Jesus, right? Obeying the word of God that you might remain in him and remain in his love. That the word of God remaining in you, right? My words remaining in you. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He said the purpose of all of this, if you'll learn this secret of walking with Jesus in this way, of remaining in Jesus, of remaining in the word of God, having the word of God remain in you, obeying the word of God, having a heart to obey Jesus and showing him your obedience by your love. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. This is the key to joy is obeying the word of God and the son of God. And the more you do it, the more complete our joy will be. And that's a profound statement, right? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Father, we, all of us want to be joyful. All of us want to have more joy. So, Father, I do ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of unrighteousness. Forgive us, Father, of just our, uh, our indifference. Forgive me, Father, just the, uh, just the areas of my life, again, where I, I just, I know I need pruning and I thank you for pruning me, Father. I ask you to prune us one and all as disciples of Jesus, even as you said you will, certainly, that we might be more fruitful. And, and Father, I thank you that this is the secret to joy of having the joy of Jesus in us. 
not just our joy, but the joy of Jesus, a joy that can somehow, Lord, share these truths, whatever it is, 10, 12, 14 hours from his crucifixion. Lord Jesus, we want your joy in us today. Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.